welcome into the latest episode of Empire Sports Talk. This is Max O'Neill alongside Joe Tedesco. We are back after a brief one-week recess, but we are back today to talk about the Tyrod Taylor scandal it in Los Angeles, excuse me, as well as the Major League Baseball season is winding down. So what's going to happen there with the playoffs and the NBA Conference Finals, as well as now two games this weekend on the college football schedule, Houston, North Texas, and Notre Dame Wake Forest being postponed due to COVID. So all that and more right here, right now on Empire Sports Talk. So let's just jump right into it, Joe, with Tyrod Taylor's chest injury, pain shot, the doctor punctured Taylor's lung. Yeah, what a weird, weird thing. When I saw it today, I was very confused at first. I was like, what, what is this? And then I saw that the doctor, you know, made a mistake. And I, I mean, we're all human beings. I, I don't think that this guy should be fired. Um, I, you know, think that, listen, doctors, sometimes they make mistakes too. And I mean, you know, these athletes have the best of the best doctors. So that just shows you that even the best top of the line guys, I mean, there's always room for error. And uh, this is uh, something you don't want to see if you're, a fan of, you know, really sports in general. I mean, you don't want to see anyone get hurt, especially this way. Uh, I yeah. mean, the guy was just, you know, getting an injection. Next thing you know, he punctures his lung. And now, you know, Taylor's going to, you know, be recovering from this. Um, but very, very weird. Uh quote from Anthony Lynn today. He said, you never want to see a guy lose his job this way. And... I mean, it's pretty simple. Yeah, I mean, he he couldn't have said it better. <laughs> I, I just don't – I don't understand what the doctor, you know, was thinking during that time. Now, of course, if they find out that this doctor was under the influence of something like alcohol or drugs or anything, then obviously he should immediately be let go. And we will have to see what happens. But bottom line is I think that – you know, the, things happen. And unfortunately, this happened to happen. And um, it's unfortunate for Tyrod. I mean, imagine telling your wife, yeah, I was getting an injection today, but he accidentally punctured my lung. So now I got to get another surgery and now I'll be set back even longer. Yeah. I think that the um, Los Angeles Chargers desperately need to – increase their hiring standards when it comes to doctors because this guy who punctured Tyrod Taylor's lung replaced a man. I don't know if you saw this, Joe. He replaced a guy by the name of David Chow, who uh, I'll tell you a little bit about him, Joe. Um, During his time with the Chargers, he had two DUIs. He was raided by the DEA for writing himself 108 prescriptions. Uh, He had malpractice for severing a patient's artery, malpractice lawsuits for multiple career-ending misdiagnoses, and he lost his surgery license in 2013. So they need to uh, increase their hiring standards when it comes to team doctors, the Chargers. Yeah, um, (laughs) that was – I mean, I think that – uh, I agree with you, but um, I guess, you know, that doctor, you know, you you can't really say anything about this doctor uh, doing wrong in terms of off the, you know, I guess the, the medical field or the medical room, I should say, because obviously there hasn't been anything that they found in terms of you know, him doing alcohol or drugs or any of that stuff with DUIs like the last guy, but um, it's just very weird. I mean, when I saw that today, I was like, whoa, 
Yeah, I like immediately, I immediately said like, oh, somebody's gonna lose their job because you know. Um, it, yeah, I mean, someone's got to get blamed, and I think the media wants someone to get fired. Overall, like I said before, if somebody was sticking a cortisone injection into your chest because you, you know, cracked your ribs and they punctured your lung, which sends you to the hospital and is a really serious thing, you wouldn't be like, that doctor should be fired, Joe. I don't think it's a media thing. I think it's a normal thing that a doctor should be fired for effing up that badly. I think that. He shouldn't be immediately fired. I think they should check if he was under the influence of something, like I said. Um, obviously, he's got to be more careful. I don't know what the guy was doing. Listen, I'm not a doctor. I can't relate personally, but it's um, something that you really never see happen. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if he does get fired, I will kind of understand um, because, you know, the room forever for doctors is very small. I mean, you can't, you can't make errors. And it's, it's why he's getting paid so much. And now he makes this mistake by puncturing a quarterback's lung. Yeah. So I, I don't like that, uh, that this news came out today. But, you know, like I said before, no one's perfect. Um you know, I don't know the doctor personally. He could be a good man. He probably is. And, you know, everyone makes mistakes. But like I said, there's always jobs that, like you were saying before, like a doctor, you know, they shouldn't be making mistakes, period. So we'll see what happens. I'm perfect, Joe. So, you know. Yeah, besides you. We get it, okay? Besides you. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, we know that, you know, you, you're you getting a job soon and uh, you're going to be the next Mike Francesa. But, you know, there's other people in this world that, that do make mistakes and they do trip over rocks and curbs. <laughs> so just uh, let, let's just relax there. So I'll, I'll be nice to the little people, Joe. I, uh, I'll be nice to you because I know you're not perfect like me. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. At least you, you know. At least you're gonna be nice. You're my boy, Joe. All right, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, moving on now to the NBA. Both conference finals are two-one, with the Western Conference Finals being the Denver Nuggets, who managed to get a win last night against the Los Angeles Lakers, and in the East. You have the Boston Celtics, who managed to get a win back on Saturday and play again tonight, starting actually um, right now, I believe. And they are playing the Miami Heat. Um, And so do you think the Heat make it a 3-1 series tonight? Um, I – you know, this can go either way, this series, I think, because both teams are – Evenly matched, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Heat make it 3-1. I wouldn't be surprised if they go to the finals. Um, I think that they are the team right now with the hottest streak and the most momentum. And in the playoffs, as we know, that is very big for a basketball team in the NBA. I think it's going to carry into tonight and I think they're going to go up three to one and I think that uh, it'll take them to the finals as well but at the same time listen I wouldn't be surprised I mean this, this series is up for grabs I wouldn't be surprised if the Celtics tie this series because of their talent and their coaching yeah I think Brad Stevens um, is one of the best coaches in the entire NBA, and I think that they, I, but I also think that the Miami Heat are dogs. Like, I think they are really, they play well together, they gel together, and I think they're a good team. And so I'm going to say that the 
but I'm going to say the Boston Celtics tie the series up 2-2 in a series that goes seven um, tonight. And so with that being said, let's look at the other um, series, that being the Los Angeles Lakers being up 2-1 over the Denver Nuggets, as we said. Wait, one question for you really quickly. Yeah. I apologize. So the last game in the Heat uh, Celtics series was on Saturday. It's obviously Wednesday. How much of an impact does that break have on either team? Does it help the Celtics? Does it hurt the Celtics? Does it help the Heat? Does it hurt the Heat? I think it hurts the team with the most momentum. Obviously, you know, you take a the longer break you take, the uh, more the momentum is going to wear off. And whatever team that has the momentum right now, um, which I believe are the Celtics because they won their last game, I think that it could kind of wear off. And, yes, in the playoffs especially, I mean, that rest, um, it could also help a team. But, you know, like I said, the momentum could wear off. So, um, I don't personally like long rest in the playoffs. I think that one day is enough. But it just so happens to be this way, you know, during this series. And uh, we're going to have to see what team this affects or if it affects them at all. Now, because of the fans, you know, no fans being there at the same time, it might not affect them. you know, as much. Um, I don't get... Or it could affect them even more, honestly, because they don't have that support. Yeah. I don't get why there needs to be such a big break because, you know, it's not like they're traveling. It's not like they're traveling from, you know, Miami up to Boston or vice versa, which is not that far in general. But, you know, they're not traveling. They're all staying in the same hotel or, you know, same two hotels, whatever, you know, whatever. Um, and so I, yeah, I don't get why they have so many days off, but to answer my question, I think it benefits the heat because I think they are the slightly older team with players like Andre Iguodala um, and Udonis Haslam on their roster. And, you know, they have time to say we just lost. Let's get, you know, back into, you know, the right headspace kind of thing and uh, win tonight. Okay, yeah. I mean, we will just have to see what happens. Um, I think that getting back to the fans, I mean, you know, overall, I don't think that uh, it really, you know, makes an impact on someone that home has home field, home court, I should really say, during this playoff stretch in the bubble. Because, you know, fans are um they're they have a big impact, I believe, during the playoffs especially. So, you know, some teams are hurting from that. And um we saw that I think with the Clippers. I think – but I don't think that that's so much of a valid argument, Joe, because it's not like if one team could have fans and the other couldn't. You know, it's nobody has fans. And so I think it's – that makes it somewhat of an even playing field in that regard. And so I don't know if that um, carries that much weight to be honest. Uh, No, you make a good point. Um, But maybe down the stretch in crucial moments, you know, if they were actually at home, uh, maybe the fans have a little bit more impact because they have one more home game than the other team. Yeah. But I do see what you're saying where it does balance out. But I do think fans make a huge difference in all of sports because I think, you know, they – 
give you they give athletes sort of that extra push or that extra you know that extra push forward or that extra push backwards it gives them more adrenaline 100 thousand percent like i think it's huge for let's just say for the sake of you know this discussion the yankees when they're at yankee stadium and they're you know down by one and they have the bases loaded in the playoffs and the crowd is, you know, going wild, and that place is rocking, and Aaron Judge steps up to the plate or whatever. I think that is that you know makes an impact because I think he looks around and sees everybody, and says you know like, and that puts I think more pressure on him than it would now where there is no fans in the, um, you know, in the stadium. Yeah, man, I think fans – I really think fans are everything. I mean, they they make or break a game. They, you know, they they put all the pressure, the spotlight, the energy into the stadium, and it really makes, I think, sports sports. And I think um, this year, obviously, it's unfortunate that there is no fans – you know, still enjoying watching these games, but of course, you know, as soon as we could get fans back into the stands at full capacity, um, you know, everyone wants to go back and everyone wants to see fans in the stands. Would you go, if let's just say for the sake of argument, that the New York Yankees announced that, you know, um, their next home games in the playoffs or whatever, will have bands at, let's say, 15% capacity. So that's the Yankee Stadium. Let's see. Let's do this math here real quick. I apologize to any of our listeners for my math skills. They are um, not, you know, that good. It's okay. So the Yankee Stadium... But they wouldn't have, what, five, ten thousand people? The Yankee Stadium capacity... It's like 49,000, I think. For baseball is 47,309. Um, and so... That... Uh, so what is that? 10,000? At 15%? Or maybe a little under? Yeah, so if they were like, let's just say 10,000 people in the stadium, would you go? I don't know if I would go, honestly. I don't know if – I mean, it would, like, suck because I miss going to sporting events, you know, and I'm – but especially without a vaccine right now, um, I don't know if I would feel comfortable because I, tr- I don't trust – that a person sitting in the section with me with their family is going to be, you know, is going to follow the guidelines and is going to wear their mask all the time when they're not eating and that kind of stuff. Well, I think they would have to be tested before they go to the game and also the temperature and, um, you know, take protocols like that. I would go because I miss sporting events so much. And also, um, you know, I care about Corona and stuff, but at the same time, it's like, it's almost wearing off on me because I'm just so tired of, of it. And not to mention, I already had it. So I have the antibodies for it. You had Corona. When did you have Corona? You didn't tell me that. I had it in, uh, late March early April, but I, I had it, but my symptoms were a cold. So it wasn't like me being in the hospital. I didn't even know I had it until two weeks after I had the cold because my boss emailed us saying that she was in the hospital for two weeks and she just got out. And before those two weeks were up, like in the beginning of those two weeks is when I had the cold. So my doctor recommended I go get tested, got tested, had the antibodies. Uh, I didn't realize. He didn't tell me that, but maybe he did. I don't know. But, um, and so I'm glad you're feeling better, obviously. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so looking at the other series, the Lakers, getting back to basketball, you're looking at the other series, the Lakers, Nuggets series, um, high-scoring games with the Lakers winning the first two games, 126 to 114 and 105 to 103 before losing the game last night, 114 to 106. Um, And so they play again tomorrow, technically tonight when this will be posted. Um, Who do you think wins the game? Do you think that the Lakers make it 3-1, or do you think that the Nuggets, who have very admirably fought all postseason long from two different 3-1 deficits, do they um, continue to fight and tie this series up at 2-2? So what do you think, Joe? I think that the Nuggets will fight. I think that this is a a legit basketball team that, you know, has a chance to fight with the Lakers. Um, are they going to beat the Lakers in this series? Absolutely not. The Lakers have the two best play- players remaining in the playoffs. LeBron, Anthony Davis. I don't think anyone's going to beat them. And that includes in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, those two teams. I don't, I don't think that anybody will take the Lakers down. But like I said, I do think the Nuggets are going to fight in this series. They got players on that team that could, that could really ball. I mean, we know the Joker, uh, the center that could do it all. Jamal Murray, the scoring machine. You know, Michael Porter Jr., they got guys on that team that could, you know, they could ball, like I said. And they're going to they're gonna make this series tough for the Lakers to get out of. But I do think at the end of the day, the Lakers, you know, they're going to get out of this series and go to the finals. Yeah, I think what would be exciting would be if the Nuggets won tomorrow, tonight, and then – uh, the Lakers, in what would then be game five, kind of said enough of this crap and turned on the Jets and easily won game games five and six and won the series in six. I think that would be very entertaining. It could possibly happen. I mean, um, like I said, the Lakers are just – you know, they have – those two stars are so dominant. And that buzzer beater by Anthony Davis was pretty crazy the other night. Unbelievable. That was really unbelievable. That that showed that – even Stephen A. actually said this. He said that Anthony Davis just showed he's not a clipper. He's a Laker. <laughs> That's funny. I like that. I, I liked it too. <clears throat> and, you know, it just shows that uh, Anthony Davis, you know, he's got that clutch gene. He, he has the ability to play, you know, under pressure, which is being a Laker. It's pretty much being equivalent to a Yankee, you know, in baseball. I mean, the spotlight is always on them, and they're always the talk of the NBA. And he is coming up clutch here in the playoffs. Uh He's really, I'd argue, the best center in the NBA, and that includes above Nikola Jokic. Oh, he's better than Jokic, no question. But Jokic Um, is a superstar. Like, don't get me wrong. I think Jokic and Jamal Murray are bona fide superstars in their own right. Yeah, no, I think they're upcoming superstars as a duo. Jokic is a little older, but Jamal Murray is – um, he's a scoring machine. He's like another Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. But Anthony Davis, it depends on what position you want to really see him as. I see him as a power forward, but, I mean, if you want to see him as a center, you know, to me, the center position has kind of degraded into just not what it was when, you know, Shaq was around. So I think that he could play power forward or center. I just look at him as a big man. It has changed, though. Like, it's – in my opinion, it's 
think it's I don't think it's worse as much as it's morphed through the way that the game has morphed because now you have people like Anthony Davis who can spot up in the paint and they can also, you know, step back and hit that game winning buzzer beating buzzer beater three. You know, back when at the like peak Shaq years in the early 2000s, you had people like Shaq and Yao Ming. And at the beginning, you know, you had Patrick Ewing and, uh, you know, people like that who couldn't step back and also, you know, get in the paint and body some people. I think the modern day center can do both. And that's not to bash the, you know, centers of the, you know, early 2000s and the 90s. Um, It's just a different game. Yeah, it's a different time. And these centers nowadays, you know, they look like they're six foot because they are so fast. They could dribble, they could pass, they could do everything. I mean, they really act like point guards. And uh, that's why they're so tough to stop. But Anthony Davis is something special. And he's a great compliment to LeBron. That's something LeBron always looks for. And really any superstar that wants to win or that has won in the past. I mean, you take a look at all the teams back then. I mean, everybody had a compliment. And I think this is a perfect compliment for LeBron. I think they're going to go on to the finals. Yeah. And I think they're going to win the NBA finals. Like, I don't think that either team coming out of the East will push the Lakers very hard. I think he have the better chance to push the Lakers but I don't think that, you know, Jimmy Butler can really step up and guard LeBron. I think he can guard LeBron because he's such a good defender. I just don't think that if he guards LeBron 20 times in 20 different possessions, that LeBron is not going to score on any of those possessions. He'll score on at least half. Yeah. Jimmy Butler is an outstanding defender. Um, but like I said, the Heat, they don't have another star like Butler. The Lakers. They have Bam. Yeah, he's, um, he's up but, and coming, but he's no star. I mean. But yes, you're right. They don't have a, you know, second big piece like, you know, these, the teams that have won in recent years have where, you know, the Warriors had KD and Steph, you know, they had Steph and KD. They, you know, the Lakers now have, you know, LeBron and AD. The Heat had, you know, LeBron and D-Wade, you know, whatever. I think the Nuggets are better than the Heat and the Celtics. That's a hot take. I don't know about that, Joe. I'm I'm going to give that as a hot take. I think they are. I don't think that that's true. I think the Nuggets would, if in some alternate universe, the NBA Finals is Heat Nuggets, I think the Heat are, you know, winning the Larry O'Brien again. I don't know. I mean, that's what I personally think. I think LeBron is going to have his toughest test right now. I think that's what he's having in these playoffs. I mean, it would have been a tougher test if the Clippers were in it, but um, they choked. They they choked for sure. And uh, right now, LeBron, you know, I think he's licking his chops because <laughs> he's got a pass. He's got an easy pass to that Larry O'Brien trophy. Let's just see if he. Uh, Remembers to put it on the dashboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty much the way I think of it right now. LeBron, is he's got it in his hands, and it, it's there for him to take. I, I'm pretty sure that they'll do it, like I said, but we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, I want to make one point. I You know, there was always an argument with LeBron – being in the East and him having an easy path, you know, to the finals. I think this is the easiest path he's ever had. 
if we're being honest. I, I disagree. Sitting here right now, I think this is the easiest path he's ever had. If you asked me at the beginning of the postseason, I wouldn't have said that. But I think facing the Nuggets to get to the NBA Finals is easier than facing the, you know, the, uh, you know, Kyle Lowry, um, Rock, excuse me, the Kyle Lowry um, Raptors or, you know, the any of those teams. I disagree. I think the Nuggets are much better than the Raptors. Okay. I in my opinion. I think once they lost Kawhi, I mean, it just wasn't the same. He had to face uh, Damian Lillard and the Blazers, which we all know how tough that always is in the playoffs. Yes. Dame is a beast. Dame is easily one of my favorite players to watch in the entire – in all of sports, really, just because he is so clutch. Like, if you would turn on a Trailblazers game at the end of the game and it's close, you could very easily see a Dame uh, game winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I mean, I think I think LeBron had a, um, you know, a pretty – Tough run. I wouldn't say it was his toughest run, but I would say that you know it wasn't it wasn't that easy for him to. And I, listen, they're not even in the finals yet, so we're gonna have to see if they could beat the Nuggets right now up two to one and and close the series. But um, you know, he also had to face James Harden and the Rockets. I mean, that was not. I don't think that's an easy team to face. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that he has it easier sitting here right now with the only team that's stopping him from going to the NBA Finals is Denver Nuggets than he did when he had to go through teams like the Toronto Raptors back when he was in Miami. Miami? Or Cleveland, for that matter. Yeah. I mean, Cleveland, he was all alone. I just think that um, a lot of people argue – because, listen, the West, as we know, is still very strong. And everyone always said, you know, LeBron never played in the West. Uh, He always had it easy, blah, blah, blah. Now he's blowing through the West. Yeah. So, I mean, you can kind of make that argument now, you know, as long as he gets to the finals, which he will. Yes, I agree. Um, and so now, moving on, the uh, Houston-North Texas football game scheduled for Saturday has been postponed after North Texas said in a statement that they had four positive tests uh, and subsequent contact tracing. And that is the second game that is um, – or actually the – third game that is um, postponed this weekend after USF postpones their game against Florida Athletic and Notre Dame postpones their game against Wake Forest after Notre Dame had seven positive tests. So I ask you this, Joe, what will happen with college football? Now, that's, this is one weekend where three games are not happening because of COVID. When are they going to say – and more teams. The Big Ten is coming back to play. So when is it going to, you know, be – when are they going to pause? When are they going to shut down? Does it have to be five games, six games that get postponed in one weekend? To shut everything down? Well, I I think – I don't know if you should shut everything down uh, right away. I'll be honest with you. But, um, you know, they have to I, – I would look at more like what the NFL is doing because the NFL is – they've had two straight weekends with – I'm pretty sure no positive tests. So they're, they're obviously doing something better than uh, what these schools are doing. I understand that, you know, the NFL is professional and they're, they're all getting paid. These guys aren't, but 
And um, it's easier to pay somebody. Like it's, I think it's a lot easier to pay somebody to bubble than, you know, you can't pay somebody to not bubble when they're, you know what I'm saying? Like, and so I think it's different. Yeah. It's different. Even though the NFL is bubbling. It's a, it's a little different. But, I mean, they could try to, you know, they could try to follow some of their protocols um, at least a little bit. Uh, I think it is hard, though, because, you know, in the case of Notre Dame, they played at home in week one against Duke University, um, who are in, you know, Carolina. So they had to fly from Carolina to Indiana. And then they played, they were home for South Florida. So South Florida had to travel from, you know, the Orlando area to Indiana and then fly back. And so it's not like, I think the NFL has done a good job of sort of localizing their schedule a little bit, you know, their schedules a little bit. Whereas Notre Dame, you know, on October 10th plays Florida State and then they play Louisville and then Pittsburgh. And, you know, so like they're flying all over the country. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm surprised the NFL hasn't really gotten any positive cases. Uh, The players just must be listening to the protocols because, you know, they're not in a bubble. And it's the same with the MLB. So uh, it's very hard to maintain this virus when you're not in a bubble. And for these college players, I mean, I think that you can kind of um, have some makeup games for this, but there's only a certain amount you could do. Yeah. You know, it's only to an extent. But if they're going to cancel the season, I would cancel it, you know, as soon as possible and try to make the decision shortly and maybe try to move it to the spring. I agree. And then would you play in the spring, though? That's my question to you now is let's, let's you know, put you, Joe, in the shoes of a perspective, uh, you know, of a college football athlete who is a prospective NFL draft pick. You have the NFL draft coming up in June, you know, in April. You're playing college football in, like, March are you going to play? Because what happens if you get hurt? Let's say if you get hurt in December in a normal college football season, you have until, you know, April or whatever to get better to show teams that you can still play. But if you get hurt in April, you don't have that time to, you know, show that you are healthy. I think it all depends on the player. If they want to sit out, you know, they could sit out. And especially if it's a very, very high draft pick, um, what would you do, though? What would I do? I would 100,000% play. This is – these guys that are on that field are playing for the love of the game. They're not getting paid one penny, and they're doing it for the love of the game. And it just shows that they, you know, love football. They love their school. They want to, you know, win it for their school. Um, I think it's – part of their college experience when they signed up to get recruited, you know, it's could be their last opportunity and, you know, college football. Now, if they don't have fans, that's going to be something big because college football is literally almost more about the fans and the crowd than the, the, the team on the field. Yeah. I love one thing that I do. I agree that I love about college football is the you know the um, fans and the atmosphere and the tailgates and the you know the whole thing like the last college football game I went to was at MetLife Stadium, uh, Ithaca Cortland in the Jug, and that was fun. We tailgated. There was a ton of people there. Fifty nine thousand people there. Um, you know, uh, wow. 39,000 actually, but still a big, you know, a ton of people all packed into the stadium. Obviously, this was in November, so we didn't know that, you know, the world was going to end. Um, 
but you know, like that was fun because that was like what felt like to me like a D one atmosphere. You had the tradition, you had the student section packed to the brim, you had you know alumni there, you had tailgating at a big stadium like that. You know what I'm saying? Like that was what I view the perfect sort of college football scene as. And yeah, I, and I, I'm sure you would do the same thing, by the way. You would play if you had the opportunity to play, even if it would be in the springtime. I don't know. I don't know, actually. I'd have to think about it. Like, if I'm going to – if I am saying, you know, if I'm going to be a top ten pick, then I don't think I play. But if I'm going to be, you know, a seventh-round pick, a fringe draft pick, then, yeah, I think I'd play to try to sneak, you know, to try to improve my draft stock. But I think if you're top 10, you don't really need to, you know, the only thing that can happen is hurt. Really? So if you were quarterback of Notre Dame, guaranteed to go number one overall, and this is the last game of the season, it it determined if you were going to the college football playoff or not. I wouldn't have played all season. And you said, said, Coach, I'm not going to play. I'm going to let my team down. And then there's 40 seconds left in the game. You guys have the ball. You're on the 50-yard line. You're driving down the field. Coach says, come on, Max. Listen, you're the star. All the girls in the fans in the stands love you. They're cheering your name on. They want you to go into the game. <laughs> and everyone starts chanting, Rudy. <laughs> I wouldn't play from the start of the season. Then I would playing push you onto the field. I'm not playing. I'm not deciding ahead of the Clemson game that I'm not playing. I'm deciding ahead of, ahead of the USF game that I'm not playing. If Ian Book. All right. I guess it's more time for, for me to play the backup quarterback. <laughs> okay. Maybe you can improve your draft stock. Last weekend, Notre Dame won 52 to nothing against South Florida. If Ian Book didn't play, they still very easily could have won that game. Maybe not 52 nothing because he did run for a few touchdowns, but I still think they very easily win that game. At one point, Joe, I'll tell you this, it was one of the funniest touchdowns I've ever seen in my entire life of watching football. The snap went over the uh, punter for USF's head. It rolled down to, like, the 10-yard line. He picked it up, tried to punt it. By that point, like, two Notre Dame guys were right there in his face. They blocked it, and they ran it in for a touchdown. Wow. I didn't see that, but I got to see the replay. I'll text it to you after we're done. But I think that a lot of players are going to play because – you know, they haven't gotten the chance to really practice that much. It's been limited. I really – I believe that a lot of players, even if you're a top pick, maybe there will be a select handful, but I would see a lot of players playing. I don't know. I don't think I would play. But um, – and so how do they contain it, though? How, now let's – how do they contain the virus? How do they stop games from getting canceled? Because – you know, now, as we said, this is three games that are canceled this weekend um, due to positive COVID tests with the USF game being postponed because of the Notre Dame tests after they played um, South Florida, as we said, this weekend in that 52 to nothing win. So, you know, yeah. What do you – how do you stop testing? I think you put a, a radius around where they're staying for games and for certain, you know, players that are staying. Maybe they all stay in a hotel and, uh, you know, they could take classes down there in the ballroom or like a bigger room so that they're not missing class time. And then they they stay in the hotel and they, they get their food kind of delivered to them. Or they just stay in like a, a very, very small radius of the hotel of where they're staying at. You just got to isolate where they're going as much as you can. It's worked with the NBA bubble. Now, this is not going to be a bubble like that, but try to make it as much 
as a bubble as you can. So do you bubble them from, you know, Monday to because, you know, college towns have hotels because it's, you know, where the parents and everybody, you know, stays. Would you bubble them from, you know, Monday to Friday and then, you know, or Monday to Saturday morning when they go to the stadium and then Saturday and Sunday, you know, or let's say it starts on Sunday. And so they're in this bubble taking classes and hanging out with the team. Would that be your strategy to try to prevent more games from being postponed? Absolutely, because it's proven to work. And, you know, as much as the players don't want to, you know, be isolated, they want to have the experience of a college athlete and be out on campus all the time. Um, I think they should be isolated from where they're going. Uh, maybe they can go in certain places on campus for, you know, the players to get food or do certain things like that. But I, I really believe that if you isolate them as much as you can, try to keep them in the hotel, then, you'll see the cases just kind of go down in terms of positive cases. That's interesting. I don't know how realistic that is, but that is definitely interesting. Um, and, and so looking at the rundown now, the New York Yankees are in second place in the AL East. They are the five seed right now in the playoffs, which means they are – um, scheduled at the current moment in time to face the uh, Toronto, excuse me, the Minnesota Twins in the playoffs. Right now, in the bottom of the fifth inning, they're down 5-1 in Buffalo to the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, the Buffalo Blue Jays. Um, Masahiro Tanaka pitched four innings, eight hits, three earned runs, three walks, five Ks on 91 pitches. And Luis Sessa gave up one hit um, without recording an out so far in this inning um, on seven pitches. So if you're the Yankees, are you excited about playing the Twins? You always really beat the Twins. So are you excited about facing the the possibility of facing the Twins? Yeah, I'm excited that they're facing the Twins because we all know the history. I mean, it, it was just last year that they played them in the playoffs. And they swept. And, and what did they do? They brought the broomsticks out. <laughs> so I really think that the Yankees – listen, the bottom line is the Yankees are in the playoffs. Nobody wants to face the Yankees. They got that much talent. You know, they had a little bumpy road to get there, uh, but they had this huge 10-game win streak that really just, you know, jolted them into the playoffs. I think that the Twins are a good team. You know, they're powered. Um, they got some pitching, but they, they don't compete with the Yankees. And I think that the Yankees should be happy uh, that they're facing the Twins again. And I feel like when they don't face the Twins in the first round, it's just going to feel weird. It's not going to be the postseason because they play them every year. Yeah. I love, as personally, as a Yankees fan, I love facing the Twins in the playoffs because I love beating the Twins in the playoffs, you know. Um, and so – what teams or team has surprised you the most? And this could be positively or negatively this season. And we'll do a full um, postseason preview on the next episode ahead of the postseason. But right now, you know, um, what teams surprised you the most, both positively or negatively? Um, well, I, I think the Rays surprised me the most because I knew they were a good team, but I didn't know they were that good where they were going to get off to a hot start. 
and you know win this division. It's nine o'clock. Thank you. And you know, I mean, I don't, I don't see them winning the division. I'll be honest with you. If there is 160 games in a season, um, but listen, they're a good team, and you know they have every right to to celebrate about winning the division, even with the 60 game seat series. Ah, uh, series, even with a 60 game season. Um, so I think they definitely surprised me the most for winning the amount of games they did and beating the Yankees the amount of times uh, that they did. They destroyed the Yankees this year for the most part. I think the Yankees only won one game maybe against the Rays all season long. Yeah, they always have a tough time winning at the trop. And I'm talking about the Yankees. They always lose there for some reason. Or they always have a tough game where they're winning and then they, you know, the Rays come back and win. Yeah. But this year the Rays not only beat them there, but they beat them in New York. So Which they – Which surprising. Yeah, I mean, you know, they just had a good overall season. Um and and who do you think, Max, surprised you the most this year? Um, I'm going to give you one that surprised me the most positively and one negatively. I think a team that surprised me the most negatively was the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. They have one of the greatest players that has ever lived. They just got Anthony Rendon. You know, they still have Pujols, of course. They still have Otani, and yet they are 26 and 31, eight and a half games back of the Oakland A's for first place in the division. I don't know how that happens. They have three games back in the wild card. I don't know how, you know, they are seven and three in their last 10. So maybe we can have a discussion here, Joe about in a full season they'd be able to catch up and maybe but that's not the reality of the situation that we're dealing with right now um so it that really surprises me that the los angeles angels of anaheim with one of the greatest players in baseball history with you know a beast in altuve dylan bundy who played well this year otani um you know um Rendon, Joe Adele, who I'm really high on, didn't make the playoffs this year. Um, And one team that positively surprised me this season, I think, is very much the San Diego Padres. I knew they were good. They were going to be good. And I knew that Fernandez Jr. is a beast. But I didn't expect them to be this good this early. I thought maybe next year they'd be good, but not this year. Making the playoffs, really making noise. They traded for Mike Clevenger, who is out, unfortunately, for them for the postseason. But I didn't think that they'd be this good this early. Yeah, both of those teams are, you know, good teams talent-wise. The Padres, obviously, you know, they put that talent to use on the field. And unfortunately, the Angels did not. And of course, I mean, you know, you want to see Mike Trout in the playoffs. I mean, you want to see Mike Trout succeed. Uh, Maybe if you're a Dodger fan, you don't because it's their cross, you know, town rival. But I don't even know how much of a rivalry it is, though. Like, I think Kinsey, who. Yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to think of someone that wouldn't like him. I don't think he's. I don't think he's done anything to be unlikable, really. He plays the game the right way. He doesn't have, you know, off-field controversies. You know, he, you know, doesn't cheat. Like, he plays the game hard. I don't know of anybody that does not think Mike Trout is the best player in baseball, excuse me, and is, you know, just a beast of a ball player. I agree, yes. A beast. I mean, he's one of the greatest players to ever live, and he's still got years to play. Fortunately, he's not going to be in the playoffs 
Um, I mean, listen, there is, uh, I mean, there's always, there's always next season, as we've been saying for a long time with Mike Trout, but, um, you know, this is, uh, it's a year that I, you know, to me, I was also actually surprised by the Yankees. I think that I, I, I didn't know they were going to have a, you know, rocky, um, stretch. I really thought that they were just going to be so dominant. That uh, was the, disappointing too, because sorry. It's just disappointing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I thought they were going to win the division with ease. Because even if people got hurt like they did last year, remember when, you know, they spent, what was it, like 2,000 combined days on the disabled list or something like that? Mm-hmm. I, I thought that people would step up like they did last year. And that just didn't happen during that five and fifteen stretch. There was really one or two players that played well, and the rest really struggled. You know, you had somebody like Gary Sanchez, who's absolutely struggled mightily this season. Um, yep, and the injuries, you know, they caught up to the Yankees this year, and unfortunately, unlike last year, uh, you know players that came up and and took players uh, that were injured place didn't step up. Yeah. But listen, they're in the playoffs. So, you know, once you're in, I feel like this season is uh, – Anything can happen in the playoffs. Yeah, anything can happen. I feel like this season is more of a tournament because it's so short. And Especially it's just, in a bubble. Too. It's a very weird feeling. Yes, there's only, what, four stadiums? In the yeah. playoffs? It's – for some reason, the NL is playing the AL parks. The AL is playing the NL parks. But the um, bubble sites are San Diego, LA, Texas, and Houston. So Arlington and Houston, I believe, are the National League, American League parks. That makes no sense to me. I'm sorry. That makes zero sense. Yeah. They haven't been playing in a bubble all season, and now for the postseason, when it matters most, they're going to decide to just throw them into random stadiums. Yeah. What do you think think about that? I think it makes sense, though, because um, it's a lot harder to, you know, to let's say – um, postpone a playoff game than it is a regular season game because of positive tests, and there's a lot less people. You know, you eliminate all these teams that don't make playoffs, whereas, you know, they are there in, um, you know, the regular season right now. Yeah, I guess so. I just, I think that, you know, you. They should have done maybe uh I don't know I I just disagree with it I I just think that you know players being at their home stadium even if there's no fans um it makes them feel a lot better obviously so uh, I don't know I don't think that I mean there's gonna be less teams now with the playoffs starting. And, you know, with less teams, now there's a bubble. I think it makes sense, though, because you have less people that you have to bubble. Like, I think it's hard when you have to bubble, you know, the, um, you know, all of these players plus coaches plus training staff plus, you know, et cetera, et cetera compared to half of those teams being out, and then so you only have to do half of that number, the original number. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, And so to really quickly give an update. So thank you very much for tuning in to the latest episode of Empire Sports Talk. This has been Max O'Neill alongside Joe Tedesco. Thank you for joining us. We will be back again soon for, as I said earlier in the podcast, the MLB postseason preview. So 
stay right here with Empire Sports Talk. Thank you very much. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time on Empire Sports Talk.